Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this special service to mark all saints and all souls. And an extra special welcome to our friends from Wellington Church. I can see that individuals from Wellington have joined us already this morning. I'm not sure if we yet have contact with the congregation who are gathered in the building at Wellington, but if you are hearing me, you are very welcome, and we look very much forward to sharing in this service with you this morning. And as always, welcome to our family and friends from across the country and around the world. Our service will be led by our minister, the Reverend Katrina Gorton and the Reverend Roger Sturrock of Wellington Church. And we'll also hopefully hear the voices of Helen from Wellington and Katrina H and Jeff from Hillhead. We'll be singing along with recordings of the Hillhead Church. So we'll hear our musicians, Paul, Yang Yang and Neil uh, and we'll be singing with our mics muted. So if that's the first time you've done that from Wellington, it's actually rather a, a nice experience. So uh, sing out and uh, don't worry about your neighbours. We'll also have the pleasure of having live organ music, we hope, from Alan in Wellington Church. In a few minutes, Bonnie, Anita and Neil will be lighting our candle. And um, if you'd like to do so, we are all invited to light a candle at the same time when we get to that point in the service. Later on, we'll share communion together. So do have something ready to eat and drink when we get to that point. Then uh, Wellington folk, at the end of the service, um, an invitation to join a breakout room will pop up on your screen. And this would give you the opportunity to join with maybe four to five other families and have a chat for about 10 minutes after the service. If you'd like to do that, all you have to do is click yes, and you'll go through and you'll meet a group of other folk just for a wee chat. But if you have to go at that point, don't worry, just leave the meeting at that point and it won't cause any problems. Then just a wee reminder to Hillhead parents that at 4.30 this afternoon, the Hillhead Baptist Bible class will meet on Zoom. And so look out for the invitation just before 4.30. Then at 7pm this evening, we gather for our joint evening service on Zoom when the Reverend Stuart Gillen of St John's Renfield Church will lead our annual service of grieving and gratitude. This is our opportunity to remember those who have died in the past year and Stuart says that there will be an opportunity to light a candle during that service if you would like to do that. Then just very briefly, uh, a thank you to everyone at Hillhead who donated to our Operation Agri-Harvest Appeal via our Just Giving page. When we include gift aid, we've now raised just over £1,200 for trees for Tanzania. So many thanks to everyone who has contributed to that wonderful total. And just two little bits of Hillhead family news. Uh, please keep in your thoughts and prayers, Ed, who has been unwell, unwell uh, but is hoping to get back to work on a phased basis soon. And also Holly and George. Uh, George uh, was exposed to COVID-19 while evacuating patients from an intensive care ward at Hermes Hospital on Thursday night. You may have seen the news report in the papers. Um, as a result, George is now self-isolating at home. So please remember her and Holly at this time. 
Next Sunday, of course, is Remembrance Sunday. So morning worship at Hillhead will start at the earlier time of 10.50 to allow us to participate in the two-minute silence at 11 o'clock. And then at 7 p.m., Rebecca Gebauer will be leading our joint evening service. Time now for the lighting of our candle with Bonnie, Anita and Neil. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Thank you very much, uh, Bonnie, Anita and Neil. Thank you, Anne. Um, and thank you, Rebecca. Uh, it looks like we have now managed to establish sound connection and a video connection with the sanctuary at Wellington, though they will be from different places. So um, all should be well, all will be well in the words of uh, ancient writers, um, but uh, I can leap in if needed, so it will, it will be fine. And so we're going to hear some words from Psalm 33, which I think are lovely to hear as we gather. Rejoice in the Lord, good people. It's only right for good people to praise him. Play the lyre and praise the Lord. Play the ten-stringed harp for him. Sing a new song for him. Play it well and sing it loud. The Lord's word is true and he is faithful in everything he does. His, he loves goodness and justice. The Lord's faithful love fills the earth. So we sing our first hymn, I Sing a Song of the Saints of God.
It's good to be here this morning uh, sharing this service with Hillhead Baptist Church. And uh, we now come to our prayer of approach. Shall we pray? Gracious God, if we came to your house, we would find the door open because there are no closing hours for the hospitality of heaven. And if we came to your house, we would see people who never thought they would be allowed in, had entrance been by merit rather than by your gracious invitation. And so we gather in Jesus' name and let the characteristics you cherish become evident in all we do and share together and gather into one the glorious assortment of unlikes, which is your true church. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we'll share in the uh, Lord's Prayer together. It's the practice in Hillhead Baptist Church to um, say whatever version of the Lord's Prayer that you feel most comfortable with. Uh, so I invite you uh, to do that. And Helen and I will lead you in the Lord's Prayer together. Shall we pray? Our, Our Father, Father in, in heaven, heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.
our first Bible reading is from the book of Esdras, chapter 2, verse 42. I, Ezra, saw on Mount Zion a great multitude that I could not number, and they all were praising the Lord with songs. In their midst was a young man of great stature, taller than any of the others, and on the head of each of them he placed a crown, but he was more exalted than they, and I was held spellbound. Then I asked an angel, Who are these, my lord? He answered and said to me, These are they who have put off mortal clothing, and have put on the immortal, and have confessed the name of God. Now they are being crowned and receive palms. Then I said to the angel, Who is that young man who is placing crowns on them and putting palms in their hands? He answered and said to me, He is the Son of God whom they confessed in the world. So I began to praise those who had stood valiantly for the name of the Lord. Then the angel said to me, Go, tell my people how great and how many are the wonders of the Lord God that you have seen. Darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word would be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Amen.
reflections. It's based on the um, part of the letter to the Hebrews, which is uh, in the lectionary readings for today. Today is All Saints and All Souls Day. And um, here we have uh, this passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, although there's been speculation that it might have been Apollos because he was well-educated. And this particular letter is written in excellent Greek. It's well-constructed. The arguments are logical. So it was clearly written uh, by a highly intelligent uh, person with a good grasp of very good Greek. Who was it aimed at? Well, it was aimed at a period of time when Jewish Christians, possibly in Rome, Jews who had converted to Christianity, were facing persecution, and they were beginning to wobble in their faith with the temptation to return to Judaism. And the whole of the letter to the Hebrews is based on this contrast between the old law, between Judaism and the new faith uh, and practice of Christianity. The late Dick France, uh, who was a New Testament scholar, um, uses the quote from Annie, get your gun, to emphasize what Hebrews is all about. If any of you are fans of Doris Day, uh, you'll know this particular song towards the end of the musical, Annie, Get Your Gun. And she says, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. And then there's the discourse, no, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. But that actually is a very good summary uh, of Hebrews, that the new relationship into which Christians have come with God through Jesus Christ is ushered in by Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, so that Christianity, and this is the whole thrust of the uh, writer to the Hebrews, Christianity is better than the prophets, is better than angels, better than Moses and Joshua, better than the Old Testament priesthood and sacrificial system, and better than the Old Testament covenant. That's what the writer is trying to emphasize to these Christians who are beginning to wobble and a hankering, possibly, to have a peaceful life by going back to their Jewish faith and not being exposed to persecution as Christians. But there are also two mountains in this particular passage, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments, a place of dread, and terror. You remember that 
In the Old Testament, there was smoke and thunder and lightning around Mount Sinai, and the people were forbidden to go anywhere near it on pain of death. And it was only Moses who could go up to Mount Sinai to the top uh, to meet with God and to receive the Ten Commandments. God, in that context, was unapproachable. And there's a second mountain in this passage, Mount Zion. The mountain on which uh, the Jerusalem temple was and remains of it are still built. And it became recognized uh, by Christians as the spiritual temple of God. And here is a sharp contrast between Mount Sinai, a place of dread and of fear, and of the unapproachable God in his awesome majesty, and Mount Zion, where God is holding a party, where there's a party going on, and you can read about it here quite clearly. Um, angels in festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and Jesus, they're all having a party. Why? Because they've put their trust in Jesus and come into God's presence in a new and living way. No longer fearful, no longer is God perceived as unapproachable, uh, but he is as close uh, to you and me as I am to you, and even closer through Jesus Christ, who identifies with each one of us and makes God personal for each one of us. So despite all that is going on around us, and my goodness, uh, the news is constantly changing, and we're hearing new things every day about what we should and should not do in terms of combating the coronavirus. Despite all this, this particular passage and the second bit of it reminds us that there is a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture, and that as Christians, we are part of a story that begins and ends with Jesus. And in the midst of all the minutiae that we can sometimes get bogged down with in our daily living and as we analyze our circumstances, today of all days, all saints and all souls day, we're reminded of God's bigger picture, of the beginning of creation, of the end of creation and the summation of everything, of Jesus Christ who came and lived and died and rose again, and of the new relationship that Christians have with him. And as we look at the world, we should contemplate that we are part of a big picture and God is working this picture out day by day. And the story that we're involved with begins and ends with Jesus, who in the writer Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians says, who is above all things 
and in all things. Amen. those from Wellington. Um, my cat makes regular appearances in services, so I apologise if you hear her purring over me talking. Oh, she's decided to jump out the way. So we're moving on now to have a think about that second reading. And you might quite reasonably wonder, why have we had a reading from the Apocrypha, that funny bit in the middle of the Bible? Especially when what it says is quite similar to some words we find in the book of Revelation. This heavenly gathering of those who have believed in God and now enjoy eternal life. Well, the reason is quite simple, because as I read that passage, one line really struck me where Ezra, the person having the vision, says, I was held spellbound. Just a bit of background. Um, traditionally, this Ezra is was thought to have been the same Ezra who, along with Nehemiah, was so significant in the story of the return from the exile, the re-establishment of the city and the temple and the worshipping practices. But more recent scholarship questions that and actually gives it a much, much later date, even as far as the third century after Christ lived but possibly around the same time as John of Patmos wrote the book of Revelation, which might explain the similarity between those two visions. But again, a very turbulent time in the history of Judaism and of the then emerging Christianity. The Jerusalem temple had been destroyed again. Believers and Jewish and Christian had been dispersed and they were trying to work out what does it mean to worship now. And I couldn't help but feel there's a bit of a contemporary feel to all of that. In this strange year of 2020, as we try to work out, well, what does it mean to be church? What does it mean to worship? And into all of that uncertainty, in the wondering, in the worrying, in the will the Zoom work, won't the Zoom work, will we hear each other, won't we hear each other? Into that kind of worry, God offers this incredible vision. The vision that holds Ezra spellbound and the vision to which I find myself returning time and time again. This image of the people gathered from all nations, tribes and tongues, worshipping God of Jesus in the midst of all these people. This is the destination, the journey's end 
the telos, if you want a Greek word, of our faith. This is where it's all traveling towards God's eternal shalom. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear, no more sickness, no more death. One thing that Baptists and Presbyterians definitely have in common is we have a word-centred spirituality, and that tends to be very cerebral. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's really good the way we value the scriptures, the way we we dig into them to, to listen for God speaking is really important. But it risks us missing out on those parts of faith which can only be described as mystery. The things that are a little bit more fleeting or fuzzy or tentative or, or imprecise. And one such is the communion of saints. The belief that in some way, every one of us here today and everyone worshipping around the world and everyone worshipping in heaven and Everyone not yet born who will one day worship are connected. We are part of one thing, one entity. That is what the communion of saints is, this mystery of interconnection that is not limited by time or space, temporality or eternity. If you like, it's an ontological mystery. That just means it's something about being. It's who and what we are. And that same thought just kept coming back to me over these months since we locked down in March. That actually we are community together now. And we are community even in our separateness even though some people are in a church sanctuary wearing masks and carefully spaced, and other people are in little boxes on a computer screen, yet we are one, yet we are connected. And those saints in heaven, that great cloud of witnesses, are enjoying watching that and being part of that because that is what it means to worship God. And I've also this week been reminded of another great piece of theological understanding that our two traditions share, and that's the priesthood of all believers. If we'd read a bit more of Hebrews, I think if I remember correctly, that's where we're told that Jesus is the great high priest who intercedes for us, the one who is the go-between for earth and heaven, humans and God. But the priesthood of all believers basically says that priests aren't special people set apart. Actually, we are all priests. And that priestly role seems to me to have two functions. One of them is that intercessory function, the stepping into the gap. So if I'm your priest and you're my priest and we are one another's priests together. One way we can understand that is that on the days that you're struggling to believe, to pray, to come to worship, to 
do whatever it is you have to do. Well, I'll hold the belief and the praying and the worshipping for you. And on the days when I find those things difficult or impossible, you'll do it for me. I'll be your priest. You'll be my priest. We'll be each other's priests together. That communion of saints is the priesthood of all believers. And so probably getting a bit catholic here, but that lot up there somehow are partly our priests too. And seemingly we're theirs. That's a bit mind-blowing, but there you go. And it's not in my script. The other way of understanding priesthood or priests is as an icon of Christ. It's very Roman Catholic and Orthodox Church view. And that's why the priests wear the clothes they wear and, and that the robing is really important because as they robe, they cease to be them and become an icon, an image and a window into Christ. So it's actually a physical enactment of that mystery of priesthood. But, you know, that's not a million miles from what it says in Genesis chapter one, that God made all of humankind in God's image and likeness. And so, yes, when I look on my screen and glimpse all the faces, I'm glimpsing Christ. And when you look around in the sanctuary and see those masked faces or look at the screen, you're glimpsing Christ because we glimpse Christ in one another. So how do we ground that? How do we set that within what Rogers talked about, the great big picture and the very earthy reality of living through a global pandemic? Well, there's a hymn that I know is very popular in Hill Head and I suspect is also popular in Wellington. And I'm just going to finish with some words from it. I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you and speak the peace you long to hear. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. And pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Amen.
We come together in our prayers for others and in our prayers for each other. Let us pray, seeking your blessings on all in our prayers. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we pray for those whose spirit fails them, that they may be strengthened in their faith. For those whose poverty is physical, that they may have an equal share of the fruits of your kingdom. For those whose outlook is poor, that they might have a glimpse of hope and purpose. Blessed are those that who mourn, for they will be comforted. So we pray for all who are weighed down by grief, from recent losses or carrying the burden of a deep-rooted sadness over many years. We pray that they may know the comfort of hope, the comfort of love, and the comfort of a new life. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So let us forgive others that we might know and understand the true meaning of forgiveness. We pray for every church community across our one world. May our cries for the needs of this world be heard and shine out bringing justice, equality, inclusiveness and peace for all people. We pray for all those who have joined us this morning on Zoom, our friends from Wellington, our friends across the globe. Bind us together in the love and grace that you have given us in communion with each other. We are asked to remember specifically this morning the Baptist World Alliance, Queen's Park Baptist Church, Renfrew Baptist Church, Rosyth Baptist Church. And for own, from our own church community, we are asked to remember specifically in our prayer calendar this week, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, John, Caris, Ed, Fiona and Donny, Barbara and Ken, Edith, Essan and Anis. And for all in our church community, gathered with us this morning, or unable to do so, you have made us a little lower than angels. Watch over us, watch over our lives, hold each one of us in your loving embrace, sharing the peace and love of God given to each one of us through Christ Jesus. Hold us all always in communion with saints of all ages, those who have been blessed and whose memories, example and closeness bless us even at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
for almost 2,000 years, people have kept the faith. In times of peace and in times of war, in times of wealth and in times of poverty, in times of flourishing and in times of struggle. For almost 2,000 years, people have made communion in grand cathedrals and in mission halls, in prison cells and at hospital bedsites, physically, in person, and now virtually, online. With the saints of the past, and the saints of tomorrow, as the priesthood of all believers, wherever we are, whoever we are, we make our communion this day. Lord is with us. God's Spirit is here. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right. It is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with saints official and saints in the making, with those who walked the road before us, and with those who will follow after us, we proclaim your greatness, good and glorious God. of the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, 
also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but in your all-embracing love and mercy. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Let us eat with thanksgiving. Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you. Let us drink in thanksgiving. With thanksgiving we remember, with joy we commemorate, with hope we anticipate the promises of God's eternal shalom. Amen.
to him who is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.